0: Hello there. It's me, Russell. I'm really excited. Can you hear from my voice that I'm excited to share some of my conversation with Eckhart Tolle? Do you know who Eckhart Tolle is? He's Eckhart Tolle, isn't he? He's the spiritual teacher and author who is so enlightened that his voice is like the vibration at the heart of the universe. It's a really long, fantastic podcast. In this free excerpt that we're sending you in an attempt to lure you over to Luminary... Like pigeons being offered seed. It's only two ninety nine a month to join Luminary. By the way, it's got brilliant podcasts from uh, Karamo, brilliant podcast off Lena Dunham, brilliant Reza Aslan and Rain Wilson podcast. Got good stuff on there. Trevor Noah, he's on there. With this excerpt here to lure you over, is um, him talking about the construction of the ego and the way that the ego operates, the way that the ego continually compares, despairs. I say this. Just by listening to Eckhart's Hole, you move closer to presence, the spatial dimension within yourself. It's fantastic. Uh, here's some other stuff it says about him, or well, you don't really need to know. Oh yeah, get this. Eckhart's Conscious Manifestation Online course starts June 25th at Eckhart's Eckhart shows us how this time of challenge and accelerated change is an opportunity to manifest from the awakened state of consciousness. Mm. We're including a link on the show page where you can learn more details about the course. You can listen to more episodes of Under the Skin on Luminary, a subscription podcast network with original shows from your favourite creators, from as little as two ninety nine a month. I'm sorry if that sounded like I stammered. It's because the po- Jenny May who produces this content <laughs> is, or, or, I mean, inconceivably inefficient. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah you can get that plus a 7 day free trial visit luminarypodcast.com go to luminarypodcast.com if you want more of this stuff (laughs) not available on all markets subject to local currency terms applying trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not a successful route yes
1: that's 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 exactly right we're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss doesn't look like an ideology
0: what's beneath the surface of people we admire of the ideas that define our time the history we are told Welcome to Russell Brand under the skin. But also, isn't it extraordinary that um, that it's at this peculiar moment with the pandemic and with the hmm, what, how to describe what's happening in America the the reemergence of civil rights? How what do you feel about this particular historic moment? Do you think that something significant is happening?
1: Uh, Yes, we live at uh, a time of uh, great change and also a time of uh, uh, enormous adversity, too. We started with the the virus and uh, great change and uh, adversity are actually inseparable because uh, humans will not change unless they are faced with Obstacles and adversity. So I, I believe there's a connection between the coronavirus and the this movement that just started now for racial equality and so on. Um, the virus presented the enormous challenge for millions of people. And every challenge is an opportunity for waking up we may need to talk about what exactly I mean by waking up or awakening. It means, of course, uh, a challenge, whatever form it takes, whether it comes on a personal level, just affecting you, or whether a challenge happens collectively, when there's a huge challenge or some form of adversity that suddenly arises in the collective, And it challenges millions of people. And this is what happened with the virus. And in the face of challenge, whether whether it's of a personal kind or a collective kind, uh, you cannot cannot stay the way you are. You can go either one way or the other. So, So one way is a challenge makes you more unconscious. It pushes you into in d- deeper into ego, egoic reactivity and negativity and um, um, conflict with other human beings becomes magnified. So one way, it's, one effect that a challenge can have on a human being is it can make him or her more unconscious, more reactive, more deeply entrenched in the egoic patterns. Uh, The other thing, on the other hand, a challenge can have the effect of forcing you to become more conscious. Uh, And uh, I have experienced it in my own life when faced with the challenges of life before I went through a kind of shift in consciousness when I was 29, uh, whenever something bad happened around me, I would usually go into reactive mode and uh, uh, become very unhappy or angry or even more depressed than I was already. And uh, so it's very important to, to realize that the importance of using the adversity that inevitably arises in everybody's life, often just on a personal level or on a collective level uh, to to recognize that as an opportunity for becoming more conscious instead of less conscious, for awakening out of the egoic mind patterns. So, maybe I should talk for a moment about what i actually mean by awakening
0: yes and and what characterizes these egoic mind patterns those would be two areas to um have good to have further detail on
1: now the, the ego uh, which is a mind made sense of self a mind made identity uh, that consists of uh narratives thoughts that you identify with it's uh, the earliest the, the earliest um, story about the rising of the ego is the myth of narcissus this is of course where the word narcissism comes from and every ego is a kind of uh, uh, has very strong narcissistic elements to it The story of Narcissus is there was a young man, very beautiful, in ancient ancient Greece. And this young man, because it was a time before mirrors were invented and before uh, we had uh, the wonderful invention of selfies, uh, he had never seen himself. And one day he looked into a pool of water and he saw his own reflection. And he was so fascinated by his own reflection. The story says that he fell in love with himself, but my interpretation is really that he became obsessed with himself, but not with himself, with the image of himself. And after that, he was no longer a happy person. There are various versions of that story, but his life didn't go well after that. So that I believe there's sometimes very deep wisdom in in uh, embodied in mythology, in myth, it really, what it points to is the arising of the human ego, which is a kind of phantom self that you carry around, that you mistake for who you actually are. Uh, It it consists of identifications, identifications with uh, possessions, identification with your own body, including, of course, the color of your skin. It's part of your own body. Identification with uh, things that you can do, abilities, things you know, uh, identification with all kinds of things. Now, what does it mean, identification with? It means you derive your sense of self from something that is not you. you. So, let's say it's it's my my car uh, and it could start for a little child who gets a toy car and so we, the child is given a toy car and the, that's the beginning of the ego is the feeling of the child this is mine so there's a certain identification with the the toy a self-identification so it enhances because It only works if another child does not have that toy, then it really works. This is my car. So it enhances a a certain sense of identity. And identity is something that humans desperately seek after meeting the, the needs of shelter and food and shelter. One could almost say the next thing after that is the psychological need in human beings for a sense of identity. They need to, that, and the first thing that humans do, and you cannot, there's there's no preventing this, they seek an identity by identifying with this, that, or the other. Um, Later, the adult may have a car, and derives part of their sense of identity from having this car, but it only works because it's compared, the ego is comparative, the image in your mind of who you are. It only works because other people don't have it. So imagine you have a Rolls-Royce, I assume you don't, but imagine you have a Rolls-Royce and it enhances your sense of self. You, Every time you look at it, you sit in it, you are seen by other people, it enhances your identity, your sense of self. Now imagine a scenario where, let's say, there's a kind of a twilight zone. Suddenly you wake up in a reality where every human being at the age of 20 is given the same Rolls-Royce. Everybody drives exactly the same Rolls-Royce. Suddenly it would no longer serve, serve, serve to enhance your identity because you have nothing to compare itself to because you need... The ego needs. Ultimately, it seeks some kind of superiority. It it compares itself to others in one way or another. It seeks some kind of superiority over others. It, it's an unconscious process. It wants to emphasize what I call your your form identity. This is me. I want, and this is a normal process. It, there's no point in wanting to stop it from happening. A child needs to go that way. Uh, until finally an an egoic sense of self is formed. Uh, and it but when we talk about identification, uh, what are we really talking about? Let's say you identify with a possession or with an achievement, or you identify with the way you look, uh and that could give you a happy identity. Uh, because you look better than most. If you, that's, this is, that's a, for you. That's probably the case. Uh, for me, that was not the case. I did not look great. So I, when my ego was developing, it could not uh, enhance its identity by focusing on that because I. I my body was not, didn't look great and I, my ego, ego, ego was looking for other ways to identify with. But I assume in your case, for example, your ego when it grew to, to some extent identified with the way you look because the ego always seeks the most obvious thing. Uh, and uh, I would have been very happy to be as handsome as you when I was young. But it was not the case. I had to find something else to identify with. And I finally found uh, intellectual knowledge. I thought of myself, I started reading books, and I thought, oh, I'm actually more intelligent than most people. So an image formed in my mind that uh, this is me. And there's always an unease behind it, because the ego is ne- never feels really at ease or fulfilled. There's always an underlying sense of lack, of insufficiency, of not enough. I am not enough. Because ultimately it's only a mental image that you mistake for who you are. It's often associated with a narrative in your mind that tells you about my life. You call it my life. Me and my life. This is me. This is my life. People have a relationship with themselves. Isn't that strange? They have a relationship with them. So this is why you have to... I love, I hate myself. I love myself. In both cases, it's better to love yourself than to hate yourself. But in both cases, there's a duality. There's a split that has happened. There's you, and there's a self that you either hate or love. <laughs> so the question is, if, there, if you If there is the self that you either hate or love, who are you? Who is the one that hates or loves that self? What what is going on here? (laughs) The the dog does not have that problem because the dog has not arrived yet at ego. The dog has no self-image. The dog does not live. Or your cat. Who I saw your wonderful video about the death of your cat. Just very. Profound and beautiful, by the way. Uh, Thank you. Your, your cat does, the animal does not yet have an ego, so the dog is itself. The dog has no problem with body image or self-esteem <laughs> because the, the dog is, and this is why most animals are more joyous than, less problematic than humans. They do not carry the weight of the self, what the Buddha called, the self. And the Buddha, The main one of the main teachings of the Buddha is to recognize the unreality of the self, that it is a mental construct that you mistake for who you are. So ultimately, even if you identify with a possession which seems to be out there, the only way you can experience a possession is as a thought form in your mind. So ultimately, all the egoic identifications come down to thought forms because that's the only way in which you can experience all these identifications. So ultimately, it all boils down to one thing. What you identify with is your thoughts plus some emotions that go with those thoughts. So the ego ultimately is of when you first look at it, it seems identification identification with all kinds of different things out there. But when you look at it more closely, all these different things that the ego identified with are all experienced as thought forms. So the ego, then the essence of ego can could you could say is ident- complete identification with thoughts. So and the recurring thoughts in your mind that tell you who you are. Uh, that's the ego. And for people who are unconscious of that, they are so in the grip of these thought forms that they are virtually asleep. There's nobody there other than Uh. the dream, the dream of thought, the the phantom self. Uh, So waking up means to suddenly recognize that the thoughts that go through your head continuously, but also the emotions that reflect those thoughts are not who you are
0: if you're enjoying this conversation and why wouldn't you be join us over at luminarypodcasts.com to get the rest of our discussion and all of these like you know just hundreds of podcasts hundreds and hundreds of hours you'll never need entertainment ever again entertainment or elucidation ever ever again Jenny, are you picking your nose for a reason? (laughs) I scratched the underside of my (laughs) mouth. Don't scratch the underside of the nostril. You were in the cavity, Jen. You're in the cavity space. Luminary. (laughs) This is all in. This is all part of the live feed. I hope members of your family, I hope former lovers of yours, yeah, I hope they're all hearing this only from luminarypodcast.com. I hope they are, Jen. Thank you, Jen. (laughs)